0: Hey, everyone. Uh, Before I let this episode play, I just wanted to come on and just appreciate and also thank Jonah Feingold for coming on and talking to me about his newest film, Dating in New York. Dating in New York uh, will premiere on basically everywhere you can get a video on demand movie and also in select theaters if you feel like going to a theater at this current state of, of the world that we're living in right now uh but yeah i was just like uh, just thank him tremendously for coming on my small little show and just talking about his movie and we really had a really wonderful conversation about just filmmaking in general new york what, and just indie indie filmmaking in general just um just wanted to just come on here and just echo what i've said in this episode multiple times on just supporting indie filmmaking and supporting a great filmmaker like jonah himself uh but anyways uh would like to thank everyone too for supporting this podcast for such a long time or the last 18 months i've been doing this uh you guys are really awesome uh but yeah enjoy the episode thank you Hello and welcome back to The Water Cooler. My name is Marley Silverbrand as always and today is a very, very special episode today. It's a total pleasure to be joined by Jonah Feingold, the director of Dating in New York. It's premiering pretty much everywhere on Video On Demand and in theaters on September 10th. Jonah, welcome to The Water Cooler. How are you doing today?
1: thank you so much for having me marley Uh, i'm doing great i'm excited to be here i think that was the most calming soothing intro like music i think i've ever heard out of a podcast so congratulations oh
0: thanks man that's that intro is done by cameron avery by the way everyone can go check him out on soundcloud i keep using his intro i love his music and just like i love your movies too like jonah like we discovered each other like on TikTok. And like, I didn't have no idea your movie was coming out. I knew it premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. But I've like, as soon as I watched the trailer, like I've been a big fan of your like just directing and writing. And I've watched a bunch of your short films and just like it's dating in New York is such like a love letter to New York. Like I was just in New York like a week ago and I, I can just tell that this is directed by someone that 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 lives there. And it's like, it's so it's so authentic. But just tell us a little bit about like, like what yeah. what started the process of like making your first feature film?
1: <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I love that we are connected via TikTok. I think that TikTok, I was just having a conversation with a friend about TikTok versus Instagram. And I was like, one of the one of these apps, I usually open and I leave it feeling worse about myself in some capacity. The other one I leave feeling inspired having laughed a lot or connecting with really cool people like yourself. So I'm really big TikTok fan because of this sort of reason. We'll get to that later because I think there is a connection with that in the film. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, for the listener, I'm born and raised in New York City. I, that's all I know, you know, that in terms of a childhood and, you know, going into an elevator and people are always like, well, New York, like, you know, what, What? You, how do you have a dog in New York? And I'm like, well, that's, a lot of New York dogs don't know any of their life, and they really love New York for that reason. I grew up loving the works of Nora Ephron, uh, Nancy Myers, Albert Brooks, you know, Scorsese. And when I wanted to become a filmmaker, which I figured out at a very young age, I wanted to figure out how to do it in the city that I grew up in, because what you realize about New York filmmaking that I think they don't really teach you, and I, I actually haven't really talked about this, so it's just kind of a fun Thing to mention is that when you go look at interviews with filmmakers who are New York filmmakers, like Spike Lee, a lot of the time you'll notice that their locations, their crew, has to do with the fact that they grew up in the city. And let's say, you know, we have a scene that takes place, jumping quite ahead, we have a scene that takes place at Bryant Park Grill, you know, a fairly well known restaurant in New York City <clears throat> that we would have never gotten for, let alone for the price we did. Um, had it not been for the deeply rooted history of New York crew and producers that we have on our movie. So that's where it all stems from. It's being able to use the city as a character in your films and also put money into the city and have the city help you with tax rebates. And it's just a really magical place to point a camera and and make something. I mean, you were just here, you know, that the New York magic is real.
0: Yeah. Like I was just there like a week ago. I was just embracing like New York like i was trying not to be a tourist and like i just spent like one day just walking around the city and there's like a story pretty much anywhere and Mm -hmm. like that's that's what i just loved about it i almost just like just stayed there just because like i'm located in california right now and it's just california like i love it like obviously this is where like movies are made it's like the history is out here like hollywood but there's just something about New York that's just so authentic. And I love that your movies that like, even like your short films, like, uh, like I just watched uh what are we last night? Yeah. Like that, like that one is like a perfect, like kind of prequel to like dating in New York. Cause like you, like in all of your films, like I noticed that you're really good at like just merging, like the technology and social media with like real characters and real people. And Uh, like I I applaud you for that because whenever I see some like whenever I watch like a new movie like now and I see like a computer screen and it's like (laughs) they have like these really dumb like (laughs) like animations of like oh this computer just got hacked and I'm like (laughs) I'm like I'm a nerd I know this is something that I would never see (laughs) so
1: (laughs) yeah that's not how a hack this isn't how a hacking looks when it says the word hacked in the in the terminal well first off thank you and thank you for watching what are we and that film is in many, many ways, the direct precursor prequel of sorts to dating in New York. I was watching a movie and I I actually really like this movie, but I think it's an important lesson in like what you're discussing about technology. And I was watching a movie called Set It Up, which is on Netflix, which I think is a really great film and they have great chemistry. And they are, that's a very like classic rom-com. I would say one of the more classic rom-coms we've gotten in, in recent years. And there's this one scene that really just there's one beat that really just sort of taught me what you and I are talking about right now, which is these two characters, they've, they're like, we're like midpoint of the movie. And they've been, you know, flirting, dating, whatever, for a long time. And they pull up their text messages to go, it's like, it's just a quick text scene. And they have no text history. And in the thread. And you know, it's a shot of like the what should be the iMessage app or whatever it's going to be. And it's just like text to Haley and it's like first line. And so he sends a text to her. And I was just like, you know, it's such a small detail, but we got to be super careful about that because obviously those two characters would have a history of messages in their thread if they've mm-hmm. been talking and flirting. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but like we spent so much time in Dane in New York when anyone goes and watches that film. Every single piece of technology created for that movie, which was basically first sketched using screen record and then re-vectorized by our graphic artist. If you go look at anything there, the the history of text messages, the names, the battery percentage, the date on the phone, all of that is there for a reason. Uh, So... I, and a movie that does that really, really well is a film called Searching. I'm not sure if you've seen that movie, Marley. I
0: was actually just thinking of that. Like, get out of my yeah. brain, Jonah. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, this is like when I saw, I think you have another film. It was like, it, it was on Facebook Watch. Yeah, maybe Josh.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: that was like another one that kind of immediately reminded me of Searching. I was like, did this guy direct Searching? And I just didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's, I think, Searching and like the films that you direct that it comes across like like super well that you guys like you grew up on the internet like you grew up in all forms of the internet not just mm-hmm. like the gen z like when i say gen z i feel like i'm like putting down like that generation but it's like being like a millennial like we like like we are it's yeah. i've always like appreciated that we saw every different uh portion of the internet we were we were there for dial-up we we're there yeah. for dsl it's like and now we see like this like this generation of like tiktok and just like meeting people on the internet through discord and just like and and just dating like with tinder it's absolutely incredible
1: yeah well i agree with you we're, we're that transitional we, we yeah we had it prior we had the Cassette tapes and VHS, but then we got DVD, and like you said, we had dating normally, and then we had the birth of Tinder and the normalization of dating apps. Mm-hmm. So we are this sort of like bridge that exists, which I also love to speak to the searching front. By the way, I did not direct that. I my my dear 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 friend from film school, uh, Anish Chaganti, directed that movie, and so a ton of connectivity in terms of like us as artists talking about the use of technology. And when I went to go do maybe Josh for Facebook Watch you know, I told Anish, I was like, I'm going to go do this like short film, it's going to be like you've got mail on a phone screen. And interestingly enough, for that one, the fun challenge for that was how to make it feel like you're watching something on your phone, that's your phone doing the things like your phone is actually doing these is actually happening to you as opposed to searching where you're sort of allowed to push in on a text message or, you know, create this sort of very cinematic way of perceiving the story. But I love that movie.
0: Uh yeah, I, I love it too. And the thing that I love that both of you actually do in like in both of your films is that you show the person thinking very well like when they're texting. You do this in What Are We where the guy like like he's typing out this really long text message and then he deletes it and then just like and then comes up with a very simple one and it's just like like within like that moment of him typing out this long text message, I know exactly what this guy is going through like in his brain and like like searching, like does that like on multiple levels and, and you do it too. Like, and I just think that's it's it's so weird, like how we can non-verbally or non, non-communicate, but also communicate.
1: I, that's a great observation. And I was talking to somebody about that and they were comparing that sort of act, the act of texting or the act of writing something in a text um, conversation, the audience seeing that, but then the character not sending it. They related it to sort of like, um, a novel where you can hear the character's thoughts. And I thought that was super interesting. And like in terms of a medium of storytelling, I'm excited for like years and, and more movies that will explore that idea that you can show what a character is thinking by what they want to type but not by what they send.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think what's also important too is that like like making movies has become so like easy Like what I I don't want to I don't want to put down anyone that's made a movie, Uh obviously, but but it's like the 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 access is much easier than it than it used to be. That's that's what I'm trying to say. That makes sense. Yes. Uh, And that's why it's like so crucial. And I feel like it's such like I'm inspired by pretty much anyone that makes anything now just because it's like. Like whenever I see something new, I'm always just like amazed and stuff like that. It's just like and just seeing films like look good look different ways and just like how they how they treat characters and just like I I don't know. It's just there's so there's just so much access. Like it can get overwhelming at times.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you're right though, that's it's never been easier to be able to make a movie, but it's also I mean, that's it. I agree with you. Anytime someone makes a film and it's completed, <laughs> uh, even if it's not complete. Like even if you got everyone on set on the same day at the same time to do a scene, I'm like, congratulations! Mm-hmm. Like that's it's so 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 hard. Just the, the the like the pure scheduling of getting people to align and be in a place to be creative together. Let alone do that for twenty something days consecutively, probably more. Let alone complete the film and post dodge a potential global pandemic <laughs> you know like all these different things that can get in the way of the you and the art it's kind of why i'm envious of musicians because not that they have it any easier but i do think it's like oh you have a guitar you have a piano you have a microphone you can do your art.
0: Mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping you in this yeah. way but like I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up so you did film like this during the during a global pandemic like how was that like like just well, like the challenges of like, cause I know New York restrictions were not as extreme as California's, but pretty extreme. So.
1: Yeah. We, we actually filmed 2019 November. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> for, for,
1: for, so we just missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, we filmed for 15 days. Uh, I guess we had, yeah, we wrapped. And then when we were editing, that's when things sort of became, Oh God, what's happening here. And, we obviously were okay. I mean, we're an indie movie, we budgeted everything out, we didn't like budget contingency, if anything, I guess it kind of cost us less because we were all remote. So and you know, so a sound house wasn't going to charge me for coming in to use their studio space when I knew when we knew they were going to do the mix out of their home office. But it was more like, uh, uh, you know, it was more not being able to go in and have these experiences that you get as a filmmaker of going into the scoring stage and going into your sound mixing stage and uh, we, we actually did do it. So we were editing December, January, February. Then things got crazy. We were testing the movie uh, remotely using a tool called Frame IO, which is a fun tool for anyone who's a fellow you know, filmmaker. It's a way to sort of comment on video clips. And then we scored, ADR'd, and colored remotely. So it was... A lot. And like, thank God I have good Wi Fi and like a Zoom setup that's okay. And everyone else did. And for ADR, we actually did bring in our actors. In some cases, I was remote in my literally my bedroom. Like, I just moved into a new apartment. I had like all I had in my room was like a bed on the floor. And I was like set up an office where it's like, okay, I'm directing these actors in their ADR session. And then in other cases, I was able to go in to the booth and like sort of just experience it. But uh it was a challenge. will not lie to you.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely been a challenge like for me cuz I started this podcast during quarantine just as a way to just kind of communicate and just talk with people. Love that. And like like we did like a 24 hour podcast. Like we, I organized like like sent out emails to like have like certain guests on. And so I know I know like how you feel about like organizing and just making sure everyone like, gets together and stuff like that. I don't know, for, like, color grading and just, like, getting someone like Jabuki Young-White that is probably... He's busy with The Daily Show. Yeah. And just, like, that's... That was such a huge get, like, too. Just, like... Like, what was it like working with Jabuki?
1: I'm so lucky that we got to work with together. And I... Yeah, you know, it, first off, he's amazing. Everyone in the cast is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I feel very lucky that we had an experience wherein none of us came out of this not liking each other you know it's all like we would all make a movie again together we all enjoyed the craft not to say that it was like everything was perfect because everyone wants to do the best work possible and that means we push each other but it was a really great experience uh jabuki let's see i had seen him in a scene from a movie called someone great and i just thought to myself this guy is such a star And who is this? And I then was introduced to his Twitter. And obviously, I'd seen his work in The Daily Show. I just didn't connect the dots. Um, And I wrote him a letter. And then we got tacos and tequila for lunch. And we just talked about our favorite movies. We just talked about movies like Francis Ha. Talked about some Mike Mills films, which he is actually now in one called Come On, Come On, that will come out soon. And... We talked about rom-coms and modern dating and all the sort of stuff that that is plaguing our dating world. And I think we just sort of bonded. And I was like, look, I'm making an indie movie. This isn't like there's a studio. Like I literally, we went out, we raised the budget. We're shooting for 15 days. It's going to be quick. You're going to sit on an Apple box sometimes and it's going to be cold. But I promise you, I'm going to do the best I can to make this the best movie and to create a fun and safe environment for everybody. And he was like, great. And he, he had, he, we left that meeting both wanting to make the film together. And then the, the challenge was going to be scheduling for what you foresaw with uh, The Daily Show, which at the time was, you know, they shoot all over the country, segments and stuff like that. And their hours are obviously very intense. Uh, and of course, scheduling against our other actors who were, you know, Francesca was going to a Stranger Things sort of like uh, event, I remember. And that was like our first day of shooting. And, It's just, you know, everyone is like, you're trying to get those plants to align. But he was also awesome to work with because he was such a, you know, Jabuki was like a film production. I don't know if he was a major, but he was like a, the joke was two years ago, he was like a second AC on set. Like that was what he kept, him and I kept joking about. And so when you have someone who's coming from production and who's a creator in their own right, it's really refreshing because you're all sort of on the same page. There's no... there's no like, we all want, we all understand each other. There's a lot of empathy when you come from being a PA or, or a second AC or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was just great. And he's so funny that you usually want to have like five cameras rolling. So any aspiring filmmakers that listen to this, if you're going to be working with a sort of comedy, comedy person set first type actor, you're going to want to make sure you have multiple cameras on them. um, So you don't miss anything.
0: Just always be rolling. Always be
1: rolling. <laughs> always be rolling, and always be rolling. So you have your close up and your wide because you know you can have that great five minute take, but you're going to still want to have the alt angle on that. Otherwise, you're just punching in, and your audience might know.
0: Yeah, so mo- one of my favorite like directors I've ever worked with is his name was Chris Brown, the other Chris Brown. As he <laughs> always says, "Copy." Uh, we did a we did a film called The Other Kids, where we basically we we got together and. Uh, we got like these kids together, like in high school, and just kind of explored like that last year in high school. And like the one thing that I will always remember, like what he told me, like during like when I was helping out, was that was that you just always keep your camera on. And Ooh. like it was a documentary, but we called it. I think on the tagline he called it a fiction fix-u- documentary wow. because it was because we we didn't have a script. We basically just had like an outline and we let the we let the kids kind of make the dialogue and just and like create their own stories so like in the credits we actually had like the, the kids get they got actual writing credit which oh, was wow. actually re, which was actually really cool and i respect respect the guy for for doing that but it was such a cool experience it, it kind of felt like summer camp like every every summer we just kind of just got together and just like oh what you experience like like the during this last month it was it was just so cool that's, that's like really one, cool that's one thing that i'll always like remember it's just always be shooting just because you never know what you're gonna miss
1: so what kind of do you remember what kind of cameras you guys were using at like to was it sort of like a camcorder style or were you guys using cameras that, uh,
0: we yeah. were using the c300 nice
1: nice yeah yeah did you shoot on that or which you, would you we shoot We shot on Alexa, the like normal Alexa, but I just know that sometimes when you're, when you have to shoot for a long, long, long time, I've heard, and I'm not, I'm not in the technical, you know, I'm not that up to date on this, but I've heard about overheating and stuff like that, that could possibly cut your long take short. I never experienced that, but um, I don't know. Maybe if it's, you know.
0: Yeah, we didn't experience it too much. Uh, the C300 was actually, from what I remember, was actually like uh, most of our takes weren't too long. They were like maybe like 30 minutes to an hour. And it, okay. we, we never usually had like too much overheating issues, but uh, that was such like a cool experience though. But that's awesome. The, the one thing that, uh that kind of parked my ears up when you were talking about Jabuki though, is that you just like emailed him. And like, that's like one thing that I always like, I've been, I've been learning it all my life is that, you got. we got to stop like putting people on pedestals just because Mm. like if like I I experienced this with with the show like all the time it's like I like I saw your TikTok Jonah I was like this guy's really cool this movie's awesome I I think you would be an awesome guest so I just shot you an email shot you a text and like what's the worst you could say no so it's Uh, like I I, I feel like we need to get over like that 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 feeling of rejection it kind of uh, it kind
1: of uh, relates back to your movie too. <laughs> so. I well, I love that. For, also on the I might have uh, so I wrote Jabuki a letter, but I actually sent that letter via his reps. So mm-hmm. on the Jabuki front, it was technically not a cold email. Although I want to just caveat by saying that I am the same as you. I am completely pro cold email and cold outreach. I mean that's how I got my first internship for David Wayne, the director of Wet Hot American Summer. That's mm-hmm. you know how I got my an internship for Hans Zimmer it's pretty much how I've gotten every advice coffee me that I've ever gone on is just by a cold email. And I think you're right. I think we do need to normalize that. I also think there's like a way to do it. Like even our communication is a great example where like we were both, you know, like you were really super kind and like you you had a great pitch for yourself It's a podcast. Waterclear, we're going to talk about, you know, the movie. And there was like just a level of personalness to it. It Didn't feel like, like LinkedIn, you know, which by the way, I think is like, the craziest, like those LinkedIn messages that people send is, is like its own vernacular. I really don't. Oh, understand. they're bad.
0: They're bad. No, they're bad. <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> I don't
1: want to like, yeah, go on the record and say, but, um, but, uh, but I think to that point, like if you're listening and you're someone who wants to, let's say, you know, with actors, you want to be careful. You want to make sure to respect their representation because what could happen is that the actor might respond to you, but then they might tell their rep. Then their rep won't like you. And then it's like, okay, well, you want their rep to like you because they're going to help. But when you're talking about producers, writers, directors, sort of people, composers, even just like fellow artists, like I think you're right. I think a nice brief cold email, hey, we haven't met. Uh, you know, I would love to pick your brain or I'd love to have you on my show. Uh, this is what it's about, this is how long it will take, the whole deal. It's like you'll get I mean, you've booked so many people for your show. Like you it's uh people do want to do stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> with yeah. cool with other cool people. Yeah.
0: And I I I think Like a lot of it, it's it it's not to put down anyone that's been on the show, including you. But I think a lot of it, a a lot of people like want to talk about like what they made, and it's like, and 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 I love listening to other people like talking about what they made, and I think that like like in an age of like like digital, it kind of it's it uh, like that's kind of we're kind of losing that a little bit, but. but even like with, I think podcasts have grown so much, like during like the pandemic, it's just so, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like that's coming back,
1: but. I agree with you. And I think, I think we, there is a, because everything's happening so quickly, I feel like it's tough to really have the reflection moment of let's talk about what we made type, type that we used to maybe have in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, or eighties or, you know, even onwards. But no, I really, I you're you nailed it we like to, we like talking about it
0: <laughs> right yeah going back to dating in New York like I'm absolutely so excited I've watched the trailer like multiple times like it's such like a well-edited trailer and just I don't know like I, I went to New York like one week and like I keep watching your w- watching your trailer like over and over just like <laughs> just to get like that New York like feeling back because everyone was like telling me like when you're in New York you kind of have like this FOMO like yes like feeling but I didn't maybe it's because I was just visiting I didn't necessarily like feel that like when I was there I'm definitely feeling it now just because I'm so far away and like there's people like you that like I would want to meet in person and just like there's just so many experiences that I didn't actually get to experience when I was in in New York so I kind of have that FOMO feeling now so it's like I feel like if I were to live there it would be I would just be my, my senses would be getting assaulted.
1: At well, you would like it. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, it, it reminds me or within the safety of what you're allowed to say on your own podcast. Where do you live? You live in...
0: I, I live in California. So California. California. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. Uh-huh. cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's FOMO. But look, you can idealize New York and uh, people do that. People like to idealize the city and some, some, to some people, it lives up to those expectations and to others. It doesn't and by the way that is a theme in our movie where these characters much like in what are we and maybe josh these characters sort of build up the expectation of the other character a lot like we do today with dating you know modern relationships and so that's part of the of the beauty of it but i'm glad you missed i mean look you'll you, you also visited during the summer there's you know there's great seasons that like the holidays is a great time to visit new york very christmas movie like elf mm-hmm. you know you feel like you're an elf or something like that um
0: I, I love that you said christmas movie and then you said elf like right after <laughs> I, had to. I, I feel like yeah you could have said any christmas movie but you said elf and i i, I love that what's I love your favorite you more christmas movie my oh shoot uh <laughs> I, uh-huh,
1: I feel like
0: the the, i feel like we're on uh, like since we're recording i kind of have to say die hard but <laughs> it's <since that's-> for
1: <laughs> recording at the same time. Yeah. But I know what you mean, yeah.
0: I'm very controversial about that being a Christmas movie just because it's not very it's not very like kind of like family friendly, I guess. It's, right. it's die hard. Uh I know it's not like Christmas, but I've I'm a big fan of um what's that Steve Martin one? We we always watch it like on Thanksgiving. Like um Planes trains automobiles? Yes. I'm a big fan of that one. I know it's not technically like around Christmas, but that's always something that I'm just, I, I continue watching. And then just a recent tradition that I'm having is like, I'm a big fan of community. Okay. It, I will always watch all uh, buds and control whole Christmas. That, wow. that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of like my go-to. So <laughs> what, uh, what are your
1: go-tos? <laughs> Well, you know, on the case of Die Hard, what is the case that it's not a Christmas movie? Because the the case for it is that it takes place at a Christmas party. Is that what the argument is, or is it there? I guess the question is always: What defines a Christmas movie? Is it a movie released around Christmas time, or is it an energy that the film gives off, or is it a combination of all those factors, and the outweighed one decides?
0: I think it's a combination. I think it depends on the person. But I okay. think it's a combination of like all of those combined. But I what draws me to Christmas movies is like what kind of feeling I get like on Christmas when I'm a, well, I don't know about this Christmas, but or the last <laughs> Christmas. But <laughs> uh when you're around your family and just and uh and like what what your family actually wants to watch and what kind of turns that into into a tradition and the emotions around that. But uh so, so for me, planes, trains. And,
1: hmm. I love that answer. That's oh yeah, <laughs> that's great.
0: Yeah. So plane trains, and automobiles, and Abed's uncontrollable Christmas are just kind of like my my go-to's for that feeling. But
1: I think that's I think you touched on a really good point though. I think Christmas movie is defined by the tradition that the film is able to set set, and like a Christmas movie and a rainy day movie are sort of the same kind of canon. But I um I really like Elf. I really like the holiday love. Actually I love gosh. I mean, for me it is elf. That is the one that's like, if you're, I play this once a year, it's going to be around Christmas. My family loves it. it's set in New York, set in New York. <laughs> got, it's got everything I love in a movie, magical realism. Basically I love any movie that is like combining real world with like hints of magic mm-hmm. where, you know, it, you still need to accept the the um, the North Pole is real, and that Christmas and that Santa is real, and that's like the whole plot of the film with the father who's trying to remember to believe in Christmas spirit. So it's got everything. Also, John Favreau's thir- uh, third or fourth film, no third movie.
0: It, this was the movie before Iron Man, right? Before it, he got yeah. Like, just, and
1: <laughs> this was yeah. Well, this was after Zarthura. so he did so he did Swainers. He did, no, no, that was Doug Lyman who directed Swingers. Hold on, let's figure this out. I know this. I know my John Favreau canon. Um, he did, did he do a movie called Go, or am I crazy? I think he did a movie called Go, and then he did Zarthura, which was his first like entry into studio filmmaking, which is basically Jumanji, but in a house and in space. Oh, sorry, the movie's called Maid. Okay. So he did a movie called Maid, then he did Elf. Oh, and then he did Zarthora. Excuse me. Okay, so was his second feature film. That's crazy.
0: That's that's absolutely like, yeah. that's crazy. I don't that's think crazy. I actually put those two together.
1: That's that insane.
0: His second feature film is has stars Will Ferrell.
1: Yeah. Well, by the way, <laughs> Will Ferrell at the time though was not Will Ferrell. Like Will Ferrell was a gamble. If you mm-hmm. go there's a great episode of How It's Made that's on Netflix where they talk about how Will Ferrell was uh, really there was a risk. They weren't sure he was going to be able to do it. They started to see his character interpretation the studio was like this is weird like we should probably not do this and the whole time it was a risk but I think John was like this is absolutely brilliant and ultimately the whole thing paid off I think it was it honestly might have put Will Ferrell on the map in a much bigger way to like a very commercial American sort of audience
0: right and like Zoe Deschanel like one of my favorite like actors yeah like we wo- like act- actors working today like that elf is Elf is such a, like a good Christmas movie. I like, it, it makes me want to like go back to New York, like in December and, and, (laughs) well, we'll see what the climate is at that point. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But yeah. But Jonah, like this has been like a pleasure, like talking to you. Like I know you're a busy guy, so I don't, I don't want to like hold you up too much, but I I've already promoted dating in New York, but I'll give you the floor for like, just, uh, where people can
1: check this out and, and when? Well, first off, I appreciate you inviting me onto your show and I appreciate you um, promoting the film and talking about it. And I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, in We're five days away, September 10th. It's funny, all this promotion stuff used to be before you like make a movie, it was always about, oh, check out my Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr. Or, but now I'm just like, everyone, if you enjoyed any of this, please support uh, the movie and obviously indie filmmaking at the same time. <laughs> so uh, you can find it on Amazon, iTunes, all VOD services. And then you can go to select theaters if you feel comfortable with that. I, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. But if you do want to go see it into a theater, there's a couple of theaters across the country that will be playing it. And that would be a magical experience. Fun fact, I actually haven't seen it in a theater yet. So I will be seeing it for the first time in a theater on Friday as well. and. <laughs>
0: that that's amazing. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love that. Like, okay. So I have one more question to yeah. ask you since you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, so when you watch like your premieres, like at a film yeah. festival or like in a theater, like, do you enjoy sitting in the front or do you sitting, do you enjoy sitting in the back so you
1: can see people's reactions? Yeah. I'm the back. I'm the back uh, kind of guy. Uh, that's good. a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, important. Yeah.
0: I, I Yeah. I, it's, it's important. And I was always like, when I would premiere like my short films in front of like like my film fellow film students in film class or like at a film festival, I would always walk out of the room in the beginning. And then yeah. I was like, I, I had a friend walk up to me. He will re- remain nameless just for privacy uh, mm-hmm. concerns. But he he told me he was like, Marley, what? Why don't you just see how they react? Like, I know you're like afraid of like just your work being shown on the screen, but it's like. Like it's important to like get that, get that information. So I just was like, no, I'll just sit in the back. I'll just be in the shadows like Batman.
1: <laughs> <It's> like Batman. <laughs> I mean, look, that's, that's, there's a lot of people that, that I think feel that way. And I, I, i certainly dip into that as well in terms of like, do you want to like, what is the point if not to see how people react? That's a great question for, for filmmakers. Uh, mm-hmm. like where, it, it, where do they sit?
0: Yeah, just because we're, I don't know, we spend so much time like with these films or these projects. It's like, and then we finally release it. We're like, oh, crap, it's out there now. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's,
1: It's crazy. It's out there. It's, you can't, you can't, it's a weird thing. But then what I think we have to learn to do is not take it personally. I think, I think, unfortunately, the art can't feel personal. This is just the advice I've gotten from some directors who have made a couple of movies and you, cause you're going to, st- it's your job. Like, you know, it, I think maybe the first movie, it is our baby. Right. And it's like, we, we want to just be in this business and we want to make something special, but at the end of the day, you're going to make more movies. You're going to make more shorts. You're going to, the camera's going to keep rolling no matter what someone thinks you're going to continue that. Mm-hmm. So like, why does it matter? So, but right. I, I don't know, but it's, it's uh that's that's funny. I will be in the back. I will be looking to see when people laugh, when people um don't laugh and uh if anyone gets up, they're dead to me. You know, if they go no no bathroom breaks in this movie.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is one thing that you'll know about me is that if I'm in a theater, I sit through it like 100%. Yeah. Even though like I'm not saying like I'm going to love your movie, Jonah, but like I've <laughs> sat through so many certain movies of I do not I don't I don't want to mention this director, but she sure. had a movie come out like 2 weeks ago But, uh, I think if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be able to figure out who this director is. Okay. uh, Yeah. but, um, I, I just, honestly, I sit through every single like film just because I know how much work it takes to put it on the screen, make it to that point. So it's like, yeah, I, I see it as like a sign of respect, even though it's a movie that I think isn't very good. Like it. It, it it took a lot of passion and blood, sweat, and tears out of it. So,
1: Well, that's awesome of you. That's really cool of you. And yeah. I will definitely be following you on Instagram so I can get more details into who that might be.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, uh, but, well, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll let
0: you know when we stop recording. So okay, uh, I'll, I'll leave that for the listeners. But, but everyone, go September 10th. Go to a theater if you feel like it. On September 10th, go watch Dating in New York because it's going to be a, a blast. that's that's my last pitch so
1: thank you so much
0: yeah but uh thank you thank you jonah for joining me
1: thank you this was a blast
0: yeah all right and we'll see you next time
1: perfect